podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Today we're talking about harvesting of people's data for political purposes. We saw the huge story of Cambridge Analytica in the headlines last week. They supposedly manipulated the US election via Facebook to make sure that Trump won. Dr. Keith, uh, just let's recap that just for everyone so we're all on the same page. Yeah, so the, the basic problem is that the Democrats lost the election in November 2016 and they're still asking why. My own view is they put up a bad candidate, Mrs Clinton. Um, but they're looking for other explanations outside of that candidate. So they're going after the Russian link, which is why we're having the Mueller investigation at the moment, uh, to see if Russia was involved in tampering with the election process. And now in the last couple of weeks, we've had this remarkable story about um, a company based in England with branches over, around the world called Cambridge Analytica which is an organisation that will handle data for you. We're now living in this era of what's called big data. We collect so much information now on people. Um, and you've got to be able to find ways of manipulating that data to learn more about people. As one American politician said, Facebook now knows more about me than I do. So this is the, the era that we're now in. And the head of Cambridge Analytica recently had to stand down, but the head of it... Alexander Nix boasted about how they were able to get Donald Trump elected and how they got Britain out of the European Union through the Brexit vote. So you've got, therefore, Cambridge Analytica boasting about their success with Donald Trump. And you've got Democrats who are wondering how on earth we lost... And so the two have now come together. We've had whistleblowers from inside Cambridge Analytica who have come forward and saying, yes, we developed a system whereby we could scrape, to use their word, to scrape data off Facebook and then use that for political purposes. They got the names of a few hundred thousand people on Facebook. People agreed to do a survey. And so uh, they did that survey and they then gave information to Cambridge Analytica. But what Cambridge Analytica could also do was to get the data on the friends of their friends. So in other words, on Facebook, you identify your friends. All of your friends that you identified also got brought into this scraping process. So they ended up possibly with 50 million people on their database. And they were then able to analyse it. Now, I don't think Cambridge Analytica actually won the election for Donald Trump. It's always a general problem with consultants that after they win an election, um, they always boast that they were the winning factor. Obviously, they're looking to get business mm. elsewhere and there are a lot of other elections around the world at the moment. Um, I, I don't think that this thing alone solved um, Donald Trump's uh, issues with November 2016. But a lot of people do think that. But and, and the other side to this, though, is what this company is doing, Cambridge Analytica, marketing companies do, other people do for all sorts of purposes. But the issue here, like, well, marketing companies are renowned for yeah. using data that they collect from online to pitch you different things. Like I have Woolworths specials popping up in my Facebook feed constantly because I shop generally at Woolworths. Well, a lot of places, but some of yeah. my shop, you know, then they know yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so... Why is there so much attention on just that political element? Is it just because it's Trump and it was the 
the well, US election. It's so shocking, the outcome. Well, this is where you get into the conspiracy theory. Because if you look back at Donald Trump's campaign, so in um, um, August of 2016, so three months out from the election, Donald Trump's campaign is a disaster. He's, not, he's just lost his campaign director, uh, Paul Manafort, who's himself under investigation by Robert Mueller on other matters. Um, and we then bring in now um, this father and daughter team, Rebecca uh, and Robert Mercer. So Robert Mercer, the father, is an IT genius and runs a very, very, very successful hedge fund. So, but he's, he's a bit odd. So he never gives speeches in public and never gives media interviews. Very quiet personality. He sits through dinner parties without speaking a word. But a genius. He's made so much money out of IT. His daughter, Rebecca, he's got three. Rebecca is called the, fir the first lady of the alt-right. In other words, the new right movement, which is emerging in the United States. So Rebecca Mercer was speaking to Donald Trump in August of 2016 and said, your campaign is in a mess but I've got a team that might be able to help you win the election. And so she put forward um, uh, Steve Bannon and also uh, Kellyanne Conway. So they then joined the Trump campaign, took control of it. And also Mercer put a lot of his own money into the Trump campaign. Uh, remember, Mrs. Clinton outspent Donald Trump. Um, but so what was in it for them, the Mercers? Robert Mercer hates government. So he wants to shrink it to a pinhead, is one of his comments, right? right? So anything that is seen as being anti-US government appeals to him. <laughs> and the daughter, as I say, is the first lady of the alt-right. So as far as they were concerned, they were looking for a vehicle that would win the November 2016 election. And so they then uh, said, look, we've got this um, very good uh, team of uh, Steve Bannon and Kellyanne Conway. We will put them onto your campaign. They will run your campaign. And, of course, the genius of Steve Bannon, I'm a great admirer of his work. <laughs> I don't like his views, but I'm, I admire oh, his success. <laughs> and he was able to get Trump, who's a New York real estate mogul, to identify with the unemployed white working class in states that traditionally vote Democrat. And they were the states that Mrs. Clinton lost. And so Bannon could fashion a message that enabled Donald Trump to win. And so, and of course, recently, Donald Trump, uh, Steve Bannon's been boasting too much about what he did, and so Trump has had to sack him. Mm. Um, but it is interesting that the Mercers are the ones that brought Bannon and Kellyanne Conway into the Trump campaign. But then this is where things get even more mysterious, because as people are digging around, they're looking at Cambridge Analytica and the comments from Alexander Nix, who's now had to stand down, and then they notice, oh, name was Steve Bannon. He's a former vice president of Cambridge Analytica. Hello, this is getting very interesting. And who's putting up the money behind Cambridge Analytica? Some of it's coming from Robert Mercer. Oh. So you see, quite suddenly, all these lines are being drawn and people are saying there is a conspiracy here. You get Robert Mercer, who wanted to put an anti-government person into the White House with a view to shrinking the U.S. government. And is Mercer an American citizen? Oh, yeah. he's Yeah. Yep. He lives, in, uh, lives on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. um, as I say, not one to give many speeches. No, no media interviews at all. Very reclusive, but a genius at making money. And so Trump then was his candidate for the White House. 
and got him over the line by providing money and also the key personnel like Steve Bannon, who's a genius at political campaigns. The pro- Bannon's problem is he can't keep his mouth shut and keep mm. telling everybody he is a genius. Mm. But he is a genius, but you just don't want to say that in front of Trump. So, but you don't think that here is now the crux of what we wanted to talk about today, because yeah. it was important we all have that back knowledge, but you don't think Cambridge Analytica had anything to do with Trump winning? I, not a major result for it. I think that Trump, the Cambridge Analytica may have helped, absolutely. They were able to send targeted advertisements to the 50 million people to whom they had access through Facebook, sure. So that might have influenced some of the votes there. But remember, you've got other people making claims about the Russians interfering with the fake news and the chatbots, etc., that were also causing problems. You've got so many different conspiracy theory-type explanations as to how Donald Trump got into the White House. My own view, as I say, is that I think the Democrats put up the wrong candidate. I think if Senator Sanders had been put up, he would have won for the Democrats. The Americans, for three times in a row, have voted for candidates outside of the political mainstream. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, that they voted for Obama. Obama at the beginning of his campaign, was ranked 99th out of 100 senators. You can't get more junior junior than that, right? He's not one of the stale pale males that have been Mm. hanging around the Senate for decades. Really new junior senator. So they voted for him with his message of hope twice. And then Trump comes along, and Trump is also talking the language of these alienated American working-class people, some of whom are unemployed, um, saying, look, we're going to bring the jobs back to America. We're going to make America great again. That's a great slogan because what it is doing is recognising that America is no longer great. It's being overtaken in some respects by China. Uh, It's being threatened by Russia. And Trump is saying, I will make America great again. It was a brilliant campaign slogan and appealed to the people, particularly in the Midwest. Remember, they were the states Mrs Clinton lost. The appeal to those people in the in the middle of America, who who have lost their jobs, who have got, if they are employed, are not getting dramatic pay increases, uh, stagnant pay, etc. Some of them are still hurting because of the mortgage crisis. Obama rescued the banks. Mrs. Clinton is seen as a friend of the banks. What they wanted was someone who was going to criticise the banks. Ironically, of course, Trump is himself a billionaire, mm. but it could say who the mean, right thing. By the way, he's very good at manipulating the system to make money. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about the the um, the Cambridge Analytica fiasco again. Or let's just talk about political gains made through manipulating data yep. more broadly. How widely used is this? strategy. This is now just beginning I think to take off. One of the problems for Facebook is that they've known for two years they've got a problem but they don't know who else is also involved and the extent of the problem. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has um, apparently agreed that he's going to testify before Congress in a few weeks' time. Uh, but he um, himself, I think, is a bit of a loss to work out exactly how many other companies have been harvesting data off Facebook using similar sorts of technology. So, And the regulators, I've got to say, have also been called out on this. Well, America has basically got very few data privacy regulators. Europe, there's a, a little bit more. But even the Europeans and uh, were shown to be at a loss on this. They're now introducing 
a really strict new piece of legislation in two months' time. It'll come into effect, which will certainly affect Facebook. If Facebook tries to ignore it, it'll run itself into trouble in the courts in Europe. So I'm trying to picture what kind of information these companies would find useful. So if you post something like being at the, uh, like the Royal Easter Show, for example, with your kids, what do they take from that that would be useful to them? Well, you're a family person, then you're worried about child welfare issues. Right automatically that comes up i'm sure that mm. there are algorithms remember humans aren't analyzing this data we, we're now in an era where we have machines that are, that are outsmarting us so they're able to manipulate data at a faster rate than we could ever imagine and they this is done through what are called algorithms and the algorithms get designed by other algorithms so the it technology is running ahead of us so they could, so the IT technology can look at a pile of data and can look for key trends and key patterns. And that's what they want to do. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Welcome back. We're talking today about harvesting of people's data for political purposes. We saw the headline last week, Cambridge Analytica, British company, uh, manipulated uh, supposedly the US election and got Donald Trump to win by taking data from Facebook and other sorts of social media forums and using it to gain political advantage. Um, Dr. Keith, that's what we're talking about today. It's a passion of yours, this kind of data gathering Absolutely. subject matter. <laughs> I'm not an IT expert. Um, uh, my job is to stand back and ask, what are the social consequences this, of this rapid new era into which we're moving? So you're the mother of young children. The jobs that your children will do are no, have not yet been invented. So we're moving to an era of new jobs, perhaps no jobs, a whole new economy, etc. One component of this is simply the harvesting of private data through social media. So social media has been seen for the past decade as a great way of enabling people to communicate. You know, grandparents can now communicate with the grandchildren. They don't see their own children very often, but they are in good contact with the kiddies, mm -hmm. the grandkiddies. So all of this has been certainly a great advantage. But essentially, if information is free, you are the product. So every time you search for something on Google... Google is making a note of who you are. And over a period of time, if you have yourself, there's a brilliant TED talk on this, uh, and the person is saying that he has an interest in politics, he has a friend who has an interest in tourism. They both Googled Egypt, same time. One brought up the information about the political unrest in Egypt, the other one brought out about how it is to visit the, the pyramids and go down the Nile. So it's the same question. That's fascinating. I had no idea. So Google is now able to work out exactly what you're doing, what you're looking for. Google now actually has a great advantage because um, if we're worried about outbreaks of illness, Google can tell before public health departments that there is a problem. So when there is a flu epidemic, suddenly a lot of people are asking, what should I do about flu? Suddenly it comes up in real time with Google. The Department of Health in any country would rely on reports from the, the medical system, the doctors and the hospitals, saying we're having problems with flus. Google can tell us immediately there's a problem with flu. This is the advantage of the system. We get this knowledge in real time. And Google uh, will issue reports saying there is a, a flu scare in a particular country, mm. whatever, because they can get that information instantly from the searches. That's the advantage of this. The disadvantage is that Google knows a lot about you. And also, um, 
in China, uh, they're developing what's called a social credit system. So in China, at the moment, it's voluntary, but in two years' time, it'll be compulsory. So in two years' time, uh, two years' time, Chinese will know about everybody in the sense they've already got an ID card. Um, it's moving towards a cashless society. So all of your transactions are electronic. What? People are buying $1 bowls of Absolutely. noodles with a card. Absolutely. Just get, they just flash their phone across it or whatever, and that's harvested as well. And then you've also got facial recognition technology. Mm. So it means, therefore, the Chinese are able to develop what they're calling their social credit system. So you'll start off with 100 points. Mm. Um, you can then increase those points, say, by buying baby diapers because it shows that you're a caring parent. <laughs> you can then lose points. <laughs> because they notice that you're spending too much time watching videos or whatever and the wrong type of videos, right? So What? And then what, what do you, why does it matter what, how many points you've got or well, not got? Well, what will happen is that let's assume that you're a bad mother and I ring you in two years' time, a message will come on the line as I'm ringing you saying, you are ringing an unreliable person. I will then immediately disconnect the call because I do not want to be contaminated by ringing an unreliable person. Are you kidding me? This is the social credit system being developed in China. But what is it? Why does it? I mean, I know the Chinese like to keep a, 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 across what everyone is doing because they want to control their population. However, isn't this going to be taking things a step too far? And how would it even get across with the people? People don't have much say in this. You don't get free, much free opinion in China you at the moment. Know, I know it, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, how can they get away with it? Well, people, this is why it's very interesting to look at developments in Europe and why there's so much reaction against Cambridge Analytica and Facebook and other social media in Europe. The Europeans have been really shocked by the violations of human rights since 9-11-2001. So September 2001, we get the terrorist attacks in the United States and suddenly the National Security Agency, CIA, acquire far more power to monitor people, right? It's been a great news for the, if you like, the terror industrial complex. There are so many jobs, so much money to be made out of people's fear of terrorism. Of course, in the United States, more people get killed by lawnmowers than by terrorists. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, a whole industry has been developed. The Europeans are very worried about becoming contaminated by that same sense of fear. And they've now introduced a new piece of legislation. It was passed. Remember, this is the European Union, mm. which includes Britain at the moment. It's very interesting because I've got a number of clients who are concerned about losing people in May of this year, because you've got a two-year mm. period in which to bring your data management into line. And then after that time, um, you will have, for example, um, in Europe, a right to be forgotten. So in other words, you could simply say to uh, IT companies, delete every reference that you've got on me in your system. I want to be forgotten. Take me out of your system. If you fail to do that as a company, you could be subject to massive fines. So it's very interesting how we see in Europe that there is now this fear of what we're doing in terms of accumulating so much data and the Cambridge Analytica scandal with Facebook have now played into this wider issue. The Europeans are saying, there we are, we said you two years ago, this new legislation would be required. It comes into effect in May. So these companies will be held to account in the free world. Yep excluding places like China, these companies are going to be held to account now. Absolutely. By, in the European 
theatre. America has very little by way of data protection. Why? Well, coincidentally, Facebook <laughs> is one of the biggest corporations in the world. Any time term, attempt to try to limit Facebook, and they would just simply swamp Congress with lobbyists to prevent it. <sighs> this is the real world of politics. This is what we try to cover each time in these series, the real world of politics, not the entertainment that you get on television. Dr Keith, fascinating as always. This has been Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter is recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Production assistance by Alex Mitchell, audio production by Darcy Thompson, and for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.